It is week three of Masechus Rosh Hashanah with the Sydney Kola. We are holding the Gemara and Dafkim Ramad Beis, two lines up from the bottom of the page. At the end of last week, we left off with a question. The question was, our Mishnah had said that the new year for kings is Nisan. The Gemara had said that's only for Jewish kings, but for non-Jewish kings, it's Tishrei. So the Gemara had countered and said, but when you look at Daryavesh, the Persian, who was a non-Jewish king, which according to the Gemara should have his new year in Tishrei, but we have a couple of psukim about the second year of the reign of Daryavish the Persian. The first pasuk says an event occurred in Elul in the second year of his reign. And the second pasuk says that the very next month in Tishrei was also the second year of his reign. Or at least that was implied in the pasuk because the pasuk didn't say it was any other year. So the Gemara says if the new year for non-Jewish kings is on the first of Tishrei, then these two events that occurred in Elul and then immediately in the following month in Tishrei should have been in different years. The first event should have been in the second year, and the second event should really have been in the third year, because the first of Tishrei is the new year for non-Jewish kings. Why then does the Pasuk not tell us that it's moved into the third year, and leave us to assume that we're still in the second year? So the Gemara said, from here you see, it cannot be that the Rosh Hashanah for non-Jewish kings is on the first of Tishrei. So the Gemara answered, no, Koresh Melech Kosher Haya. Rabbi Avo says Koresh was a good king, he was a virtuous king. And the Gemara elaborated and explained that when the Gemara says Kurish, it actually means Daryavesh, because there were two Kurish kings, one that preceded Achashverish, that came a long time before Daryavesh, and one who was actually the same person as Daryavesh, just a different name. He was given the name Kurish because he was Kasher, he was a good person. And therefore, since he was a good king, instead of counting him like all the other non-Jewish kings on the first of Tishrei, that being his new year, he was treated like a Jewish king and his new year was on the first of Nisan because he was actually more like a Jewish king in the sense that he was a virtuous king and a good person. So the Gemara said, are you sure that's the case? When you look later on in the reign of Daryavish the Persian and Ezra arriving in Eretz Israel after the Beis HaMikdash had been rebuilt, the Psukim, one Pasuk indicates that in the sixth year of the reign of Daryavish in Adar, the Beis HaMikdash was completed. And the other Pasuk, the next Pasuk indicates that Ezra left Babylonia to go to Eretz Israel about a year after the temple was completed. So let's say around Adar, a year after the temple was completed, which should have been the seventh year of the reign of Daryavish. And he arrived in Eretz Israel around about Av, several months later. And that, the Pasuk tells us, was in the seventh year of the reign of Daryavish. So the Gemara says, if the reign of Daryavish, the years of his reign, were reckoned from Nisan and not Tishrei, because he was treated like a Jewish king, and reckoned from Nisan and not Tishrei, then by the time Ezra arrived in the land of Israel, it should really have been the eighth year of the reign of Daryavish. Because he left a year after the temple was completed, in Adar of the seventh year, because the temple was completed in Adar of the sixth year, and then he arrived in Israel five or six months later in Av. Well, after Adar, Nisan, Iyar, Sivan, Tammuz, Av. He would have had to go through a Nisan. So Adar was the seventh year when he left Babylonia to go to Israel. And immediately when Nisan ticked over a month later, it should have been the eighth year. Why then does the Pasuk tell us that it was only the seventh year of the reign of Daryavesh when Ezra arrived in the land of Israel? Does that not imply that when it comes to Daryavesh, his years were reckoned not from Nisan, but presumably from Tishrei, like the other non-Jewish kings? So how can you tell us that in the second year of his reign, his years were reckoned from Tishrei, when in the sixth, seventh and eighth year of his reign, it, seemed that his, it seems that his years of his reign were reckoned from Nisan? That's the question we left off with at the end of last week. So the Gemara says, Mikol Makom Kasher. 
We have this residual question. We had two questions. One of them was that Rabbi Aval was talking about Koresh and we were talking about Doyovish and we explained the answer to that question was that really they were the same person because Doyovish had another name which was Koresh. But Makoma Konkasha, we have the second question, the one that I just, I've just articulated has not been resolved. So the Gemara answers, Amr Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak said, Lo Kasha, there's no difficulty. Kan Kodem Sheikh Mitz, Kan Laacha Sheikh Mitz. Really, Daryovesh was good initially, and he became bad later on in his reign. And the early on in his reign, in the second year, he was good, he was virtuous, or at least, Tosus indicates, people thought he was virtuous, and therefore, they counted him like a Jewish king from Nisan. Later on in his reign, he became bad, or Tosus would say, people realised he was always bad. And therefore, in the 6th, 7th, 8th year of his reign, they switched him back to being reckoned the years of his reign from Tishrei, like any other non-Jewish king. The Gemara questions this. The Gemara says, Maskiflar of Kahana of Kahana objected to this answer. Or me, Hechmitz? Did Doyovesh really sour? The word Hechmitz is like uh, wine that turns sour. Did he really go bad by the time Ezra went to the land of Israel? The Haksiv, doesn't the Pasuk say in the letter that Doyovesh sent with Ezra to give to the governors of Yehuda? It says as follows, In Aramaic, and whatever they require, young bulls, rams and sheep for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine and oil, according to specification of the Gohanim who are in Jerusalem, shall be supplied to them, shall be supplied to them day by day without fail. So Daryovesh, as we said in our history lesson a week or so ago, he instructed via a letter that he sent with Ezra to the governors of Jerusalem who worked for him to support the Jews there, to give them the animals and anything they needed. So don't we see that Daryovish was still righteous at the time of Ezra's expedition from Babylonia to Eretz Israel? So the Gemara answers, Rabbi Yitzchak says, Rabbi, Rabbi Mitunoch, my teacher, from your own bundle, from the psukim that you've quoted to challenge me, I will respond to you. Because in that same set of psukim, Daryovish continues, after he instructs the governors of Jerusalem to help the Jewish people, he then says, Di lehevon mahakruvin, so that they may offer pleasing offerings to God of heaven and pray for the lives of the king and his children. In other words, Daryovesh really was acting out of a selfish motive. He wanted the Jewish people to like him and to pray for him rather than for the sake of heaven. And therefore he had actually soured. This Pasuk doesn't tell us that he was still a good person just because he offered the Jewish people support and money and animals for their sacrifices. That doesn't mean he was good. Really he was only acting out of self-interest. So the Gemara asks, But if someone acts in this way, in other words, performing a mitzvah in order to receive a reward, on the condition that he receive a reward, isn't that a good thing? Isn't that meritorious anyway? Haven't we learned in a price? Someone who says, I donate this seller, this money to charity, so that my sons shall live in the merit of the mitzvah. Or he says, I'm giving this money so that I shall merit thereby a share in the world to come. And Rashi explains he does this not just once, but he, he makes a habit of this he does this constantly he's nonetheless even though he's doing it with somewhat an ulterior motive he's reckoned to be a completely righteous person so why then should Daryavish's self-serving motive why does that negate the merit of his support of the temple why does that mean necessarily that he was a bad person so the Gemara says Lokasha there's no difficulty can be Israel can be over the 
the Brysa that tells us it's still a good thing to do something good with an ulterior motive is talking about a Jew, while in the case of Daryavesh, we're obviously talking about an idolater. And the Mepharshim Rashi explains it can be assumed that a Jew's intent is chiefly for the sake of heaven. While he would like the merit of the mitzvah to benefit him personally, he doesn't feel cheated. If it doesn't, he rather attributes any suffering that comes his way to his own failings. But an idolater who makes such a condition must be supposed to be acting on a purely selfish motive. And if the mitzvah brings him no personal gain, he regrets ever having performed it. And therefore, though Yovesh is considered to have been a Russia even from that time that he sent Ezra with that letter to Jerusalem. The Gemara gives another source for this thinking that Daryovesh soured by the time Ezra went to Jerusalem. And if you want, you could say, How do we know that Daryovesh went bad? He became soured. The Pasuk says Daryovesh's instructions for the construction of the temple say three rows of marble and a row of new wood with the expenses provided for by the royal palace. Why did he do it that way? Why did he have rows of wood between the marble? Savar, because he reasoned as follows, If the Jews rebel against me, I'll burn the temple in fire. That's why he had wood in there. He needed to assure that it would be flammable. So we see Dayovish was not a good person. He put wood in the construction so that he could burn it down if the Jews rebelled. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. Didn't Shlomo HaMelech also build wood in the stone? The Torah says, when Shlomo HaMelech built the base, that three rows of hewn stone and a row of cedar beams. So if it was okay for Shlomo HaMelech to do it, why do we consider it suspect for Dayovish? So the Gemara answers, Shlomo HaMelech made the wooden part on top, while Dayovish made it on the bottom. This is a tradition that we have. It's not written in the Pesukim. The Mepharshim explains the tradition that we have that he put it on the bottom. And that would mean that burning the wooden part would topple the whole structure. Furthermore, Shlomo HaMelech recessed it. He recessed the wooden part in the building where Dayovish did not. And Shlomo Sadia Besida, Shlomo HaMelech plastered it with lime. Ilo Sadia Besida, Dayovish did not plaster it with lime. And therefore we see in Shlomo HaMelech's temple, the wooden part of the walls didn't pose any danger to the integrity of the structure. But for Dayovish it did. And the Gemara says it was deliberate. It was a deliberate attempt for Dayovish to keep an, an ability for himself to burn down the temple if he needed to because he suspected the Jews and he wanted them to rebel against him and he said if they rebel then I'm going to burn the temple down so in a sense he was a wicked person from very early on we're going to hold here for today I wish you all a very good day